was preparing for the message this week, I came across a story that I thought, I have to tell them this. And it's a story about a little boy named Philip. Now, little Philip was born with a severe learning disability. And he never quite fit in because of that learning disability. He was excruciatingly bullied at school. His family really didn't understand him. And then when he went to church, he didn't feel like he belonged. Because he was a part of a, a Sunday school class who was full of, of other eight-year-old boys and girls. And, well, typical of that age, the, the children didn't readily accept Philip, sadly. And that's what the article said in Leadership Magazine. But because of a creative teacher, Sunday school teachers have a, a special place, don't they, church? We all remember our Sunday school teachers, don't we? And because of little Philip's creative teacher, they began to care about Philip and to accept him as part of the group, but not fully, though. They still kept their distance. But it was the Sunday after Easter, and the teacher wanted to become creative. And so she brought all of the Easter eggs back, all the colorful eggs, but she brought them empty. And she said, here's what I want you to do. I want all of you to take one of these eggs, and I want you to run around the premises. I want you to run around the church inside and out, and I want you each to take one egg, and I want you to fill it up with something that reminds you of Jesus and the new life that he brings. And so the children, as children do, we love our children, right, church? They ran around this church, and we love hearing those little feet run around, don't we? And they were all over the place. They were, they were in places they may not have, should have been, but they were there. They were running everywhere. They were all over, and they were so excited. They were outside getting leaves and flowers, and one little girl picked up a butterfly, and all of them are filling their eggs. And they bring them back to the classroom where the teacher took them all, and she was going to open them up one by one in a surprise fashion. And she opened them up one after another. There was a flower. There was a butterfly. There was a little wooden cross that one boy put in there. And it went like that, one right after another. But then they got to close to the end. And there was one egg that the teacher opened up. And there was nothing in that egg. And, well, the little boys, being little boys, started mocking Oh, who's the dummy that would put, they didn't do, they didn't do the assignment. Who's the, who's the person that would do that? And they started mocking, they started laughing. They said, oh, I can't believe someone didn't do the assignment. It was so simple. Why wouldn't they do that? And Philip became very saddened and he began to weep and his head hung low. He said, teacher, that's mine. And the little boys in the class looked at him and said, Philip, you're so dumb. You don't ever do anything right. I can't believe you didn't do the assignment. And Philip, he, he's so, so passionate, said, I did do the assignment. I did it. And at this time, he's trying to hold the tears back. He said, I did the assignment. I promise I did. And the teacher said, well, explain. He said, well, I left an empty teacher because the tomb was empty. And that means that Jesus is alive today, teacher. That's what it means. You see, church, we celebrate today because the tomb is empty, Amen. We celebrate today because our Jesus is not confined by a tomb. Our God, our Savior, is not held by the grave. Amen? And if that does not excite us, church, I don't know what will. I might as well stop preaching right now. Because the grave could not hold him. The cross could not keep him. Death had nothing on him. The enemy tried to hold him down, and he looked and smiled and said, I've already won the victory. The tomb 
was empty. But the thing about that word, empty, a lot of times when we hear that word, we think of it as a, as a bad thing, right? It's not, a, it's not a good thing to hear the word empty. A lot of times when we hear empty, it, it's, it involves things that are often not so pleasant. One definition of empty, and I think it's my favorite definition of, I've read all kinds of different ones, but it says containing nothing. It's a very simple definition of empty. And when we think of containing nothing, we think of bad things, right? Well, that contains nothing. And when we, when we think about it in, in a really practical sense, it's not always pleasant, right? So when we say my stomach is empty, that's not a good thing, right, church? That means we're hungry, right? That means you are malnourished. It means I got to get some food right now because it's starting to growl. I am hungry. My stomach is empty. It is containing nothing. And that's not a good thing. Or maybe my gas tank is empty, right? I just filled it up last week and you might be like me and drive a, a truck and you, you look at your wife and be like, can I borrow your Jeep? Because, well, my, 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 my truck's empty again, right? And then we look at the gas tanker, we think, man, I can't believe it's empty again. Or, or maybe, or let me put it this way, maybe you look at your bank account. Raise your hand in here if you get excited when you look at your bank account and you say, yay, it's empty! Or, or you open up your billfold and you think, woohoo, it's empty again. How many of us do that? <laughs> Not a single hand in the congregation right now right? We, we don't like our bank account being empty because typically that means what? We spent our stimulus check too quickly. <laughs> how many of you spent your stimulus check? Don't raise your hand on that. Better yet, how, how many of you haven't got the stimulus check? Don't raise your hand on that one yet either, <laughs> right? So we, our bank account's empty. That, preacher, that's just not fun. We don't like empty bank accounts. A bank account that contains nothing is a bad thing, right? Or, or maybe, maybe my heart is empty, Maybe we've just gone through a loss of a loved one. And now I have an empty spot in my heart. Or maybe you, after years of being married, have gone through a divorce and you loved him and you didn't see it coming. So now my heart's broken. And I'm feeling empty. It hurts. Because I'm empty. Or maybe you're sitting there and you think, preacher, I'm just empty. See, depression's a very terrible thing to deal with. And if you've never battled it, then you don't know what I'm talking about when I say there's a darkness that makes you feel empty. And when we speak of this word empty, there's this heaviness to it. Because when we think of, of containing nothing, you think of it might be light, it might be, it wouldn't be very heavy because there's nothing in it. However, Emptiness carries with it heaviness, right? There's a burden with emptiness. In the March of 1977, a few days before his big fight with Jimmy Young in Puerto Rico, George Foreman stood on a hotel balcony and wondered about the meaning of life. He said that he had come a long way in 28 years, from poverty to wealth, and he was the heavyweight champion of the world. Yet, in spite of his success, in his book, he said, I was empty. You see, for 10 years, he had gone through the same routines, getting ready for fights, and in the end, yet another win. But he said, for what? The heavyweight champion of the world. But what was it for, he said. 
He said, my goal in life was another W. He thought, is that all there is to life? And if you ever get a chance to read his book, I encourage you to do so. In his book, he said, money did not fill the void. He said, I had more cash in the bank than most people can dream of. He had it all. He said, I have three homes, a dozen cars, and I even own a ranch. Yet, with all that stuff, I was still unfilled. He said, I was empty. He said, would another car make me happy? He said, would another house make me happy? He said, there was some mysterious piece of the puzzle that was missing, but I could not figure out where to find it. The puzzle piece was gone. I was empty. And in his book, he says this, more than once, I toyed with the idea of driving my car over the cliff. Emptiness carries with it heaviness, right, church? It leaves you in desperation. There's nothing here. It hurts. If there's nothing in there, how can it hurt? He said, I have everything, yet I want to drive my car off a cliff because I'm empty. And if you go with me to John chapter 20, even in the Easter story, the emptiness was terrifying. My father spoke of this this morning during the sunrise service. He said in the initial portion of, this, of the story, there was this emptiness being, it caused tears and it caused pain. So in John chapter 20, verse 1 and 2 says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. And said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Just, just imagine with me, if you will, you're Mary there, and you run to the tomb, and you're, you're, you're there, you're ready to prepare the body, and you get there, and it's empty. Put it, in, put it in today's society. You go to the funeral, right? And your loved one is supposed to be in the casket, yet you, you go to the funeral home, and the casket is empty, you're going to be wondering to the funeral director, where have you put my loved one, right? And so she reaches the tomb and she says, it's empty, it's gone. They had not yet realized what had happened, though Jesus predicted this. Jesus told them what was going to happen, right? He said, in three, look, in three days, I'm going, to, I'm going to rise again. But they went to the tomb expecting him to find him there. In their grief, they believed that he was dead. Three days earlier, they had just witnessed Jesus' death. And so when they went to the tomb, they knew that they were going to find him dead because in their eyes, he was dead. And so they went expecting him. And then in Luke chapter 24, go with me there. That's the passage of scripture that we're going to be really focusing on today. Luke 24, and we're going to read verse one right now. We're going to read the rest of them later. So just focus on verse one and listen to what it says. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. You see, in those days, the reason the body was anointed with spices and oil, it was to control the smell of decomposition. And I know the preacher said we're going to celebrate today, and here he is talking about rotting bodies, right? Do, do, do bear with me. There's reasons I say that. You see, the Jews, they didn't practice embalming as we do today. And so the funeral spices were a way to help minimize the unpleasant odors. 
actually at the tomb of Lazarus, when Jesus was asked them to roll away the, stu- uh, the, uh, the stone from the mouth of the tomb, Martha, this is in John chapter 11, Martha actually objected to it. She said, don't you remove that. She said, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for days. And so the women went with spices. They went with the anointing oil to Jesus' tomb. They were intended to eliminate such an odor to honor the body of Christ. And so, Pastor, why are you talking about a decomposing body? Because, listen, they did not expect him to be alive. In their eyes, he was dead, church. We have to understand the context of the story. So when they arrived, they were expecting to find a body in the tomb. But when they reached the tomb, it was empty. And it caused great distress. It caused tears. It caused panic. It says that she ran back to the disciples and said, I don't know where they've taken him. It caused despair. The empty tomb, listen to this, at first, it puzzled and it was terrifying. At first. But, what did I tell you just a little bit ago? I want to celebrate with you, right? Today is Easter Sunday morning. We're supposed to be celebrating, right, church? We're supposed to be excited this morning. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some hope. Can I do that? I want to give you a little bit of hope. So there's the bad news. Lean to your neighbor and say, there's the bad news. The bad news is this. Emptiness hurts, right? Emptiness is painful. Emptiness is not fun. In general, it hurts. But guess what, church? Emptiness today, it don't hurt. Lean to your neighbor and say, emptiness don't hurt today. Emptiness does not hurt today, because listen to this. Continue reading with me. Like I said, we're going to read verses 2 through 8. Listen to what it says here. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning. Can you imagine seeing that? That's a sight to see, right? They were in the presence of angels. Stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is risen. Why are you looking for the living? This is an empty tomb. This is where we put the dead people. He's alive. He's risen. Listen to what they said. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners to be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Church, Sunday morning came. Amen. Our God's not dead. The empty tomb doesn't hurt anymore, does it? The empty tomb's a good thing. Emptiness hurts every now and then, but guess what? It don't hurt today, church. The empty tomb's a good thing. And this is what the empty tomb means, okay? There's a few things that I want to really bring to your attention on this emptiness. The idea of an empty tomb. Number one is this. The empty tomb means life. Emptiness, a lot of times, is a bad thing. We understand that. But in this context, the empty tomb, it means life. Church, Jesus is alive, amen? They nailed him to a cross. They beat him till he was unrecognizable. They put a spear in his side. They took him down. They laid him in the grave. He died. But guess what? Sunday morning came and he rose again. Our God's not dead, amen? And guess what? The empty tomb means life. Jesus is alive. But check this out. Check this out. It gets even better. It gets even better. Ready for this? It means you and I have life. It means you and I are no longer dead. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says that we were dead in our transgressions and sin. 
You and I, we were once dead. We were dead in our transgressions and in our sins. And if you have that life today, if you have accepted Jesus Christ into your life, church, listen to me, you have reason to celebrate today because you're alive. The empty tomb means that you have life. Hallelujah. You are alive today. However, listen to me, if you have not accepted the salvation of Jesus Christ, if you have not accepted this life, you are still dead in your sins. But I want to promise you something. We're going to talk about it here in a little bit. You can be filled and you can have that life. You can have that life, church. The empty tomb's not a bad thing. It means life. The second thing is this. The empty tomb means hope. Church, we have hope. Lean to your neighbor and say, I have hope. Now lean to your other neighbor and say, you got hope. Church, because Jesus conquered death, because Jesus overcame our sins, because he is alive today and ascended to heaven and sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I, we have hope. It doesn't end here. Look, things may seem bleak. You turn the news on, you open up another social media platform, it is one bleak thing, it is one dark thing after another, right? How many of you get discouraged? You're like, I'm just done looking at a screen. I'm prom- I promise you guys, I'm done looking at it. If you just don't hear from your preacher anymore because I don't got a phone anymore, I'm going to go throw it in the river. I'm so tired of looking at it. It makes me so upset. It just I, There's no hope here on earth. In times, it may be scary. You may sit back and think, well, how are we going to get through this? And life may be tough. Look, I know we always talk about the broad scale, we talk about the news and all the stuff happening in the world, but if we put it into perspective, times in our own lives, in our personal individual lives, things get tough, don't they? If I'd go around this sanctuary right now or ask you guys a comment online, I guarantee you that there are times in your life where you just say, it is tough right now, and I just can't see an end to it. Things get tough. Times get hard. Sometimes we can't see an end to it. Things in life, they may not be perfect, but church, hear me when I say this. There is hope, and that hope is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have hope, and we are in a living hope. I want you to hear what Billy Graham had to say about it. Billy Graham, I believe it's going to be on the screen, said this, For the believer, there is hope beyond the grave. Church, when you die, guess what? There's hope behind it. There's hope beyond it. For the believer... Meaning, if you have that life that Jesus provides, there is hope for you. You have no reason to fear the death because it doesn't end here because Jesus Christ has opened up the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection, amen? Church, if you have that salvation, if you have that hope, if you have that living hope, guess what? Death, it means nothing to you. You look at it and smile, say, bring it on because guess what? Life is here, eternity is here. We're here for a minute. We are a speck of sand in history but we get to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ as long as you have that living hope and hope is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, church. So if you want that hope, guess where it's found? It's found in Jesus Christ. And lastly, I end with this. I know all of us have Easter dinner cooking right now. So where I end, the empty tomb or the tomb is empty so that we may be filled. Church, Someone doesn't want me to preach right now. Oh, well, I'm still going to preach anyway. The empty tomb means life. The empty tomb means hope. And the empty tomb is there so that we may be filled. You see, church, because the tomb was empty, we are able to be filled with life, hope, joy, peace, comfort, and love. During his ministry, Jesus said a lot of things. He taught a lot of different people. 
But I want you to listen to what he said in John chapter 4. He said, everyone who drinks of this water, talking about the well, will be thirsty again. But listen to what he said. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The emptiness in this life hurts. It's painful. And all the things of this world will leave us empty and unfilled and thirsty for more. Church, if you are chasing the things of this world, you are going to have a hole here that will never be filled. You will go your entire life. You will go to the grave searching to fill that, and it will never be filled. But if you want that emptiness filled, if you want that pain removed, you've got to look at the empty tomb. You've got to look towards Jesus Christ. When Jesus enters our lives, when we drink the water that he gives, we will be filled and we will be satisfied. The things of this world always leave us wanting more and more and more, and I gotta have it. When we accept Jesus Christ into our life, church, we can sit back and say, I'm satisfied. It doesn't matter the pain that caused by this world because I have hope in Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty so that we may be filled. And so now as the worship team comes and leads us again, I want to I wanna end this with an invitation, church. Because it's Easter Sunday morning. And we should never leave church in general, but especially Easter Sunday morning, we should never leave empty. You see, when I said, have you guys been to church, all of you nodded. When I talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit, all of you nodded. But when I ask how many of you want to leave here with that spirit in you, how many of you are willing to nod? How many of you want to say, I, I want this to be more than just a Sunday morning thing, Pastor? Because I come here and I feel the spirit of God, yet when I leave, I wake up on Monday morning and the emptiness is still there. It can only be filled by one thing, church. And so here's the invitation. If you have accepted it, you know why I'm excited, right? You know why your big preacher's up here sweating. You know why I'm excited about it. Because you've experienced it, right? Those of you in this congregation who are listening in right now, you know what it feels like to have Jesus in your life and have complete satisfaction. To where when the hard times come, you say, oh, well, yeah, it hurts, but I'm still satisfied. When the tough times come, you can look at the enemy and say, bring it on. Because God is for me. Who can stand against me? So if that's you this morning, if you have accepted that, what I want you to do is I want you to celebrate. I want you, when we sing this next song, I want you to sing so loud that it's deafening. I want, I want the enemy, when we stand up here in a minute, I want him to tremble knowing that God's warriors are going to leave here re-energized with the Holy Spirit, ready to go out and fight. That's your invitation second invitation is this if you're sitting there and you're saying pastor I'm empty there is a void right here I've tried to fill it with everything I've tried to satisfy it with everything this world's got to offer but it will not be filled 
I know I said the bad news is over, but I got some more. It will never be filled with the things of this world. It'll only be filled with Jesus Christ. So my invitation for you is this. Accept the love of Jesus Christ. Ask him to come into your life. Be filled and be satisfied with the water that he wants you to drink from. And so as we go to sing, we're going to open up the altar. And there's a few of us who are ready to pray with you. We will stay as long as you need. And I know, listen, I've been there. Trust me. It's through my family's prayers and my wife that I am here today as a pastor. I know where you are. And I know the shame that comes with it. Because the enemy whispers in you, you're not good enough. How can he save you? But we're, we're claiming victory in Jesus right now. And I know the altar can be a scary place. I invite you to it. But if you, if you say, Pastor, I'm not coming up front, guess what? That's okay. You can do it quietly at your seat. Jesus hears you no matter where you are. It doesn't matter. And it's as simple as saying this. It does, you don't have to overcomplicate it. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I am empty. Jesus, it'll never be filled unless I accept you. Cleanse me, Father. I accept you in my life. Forgive me my sins. Church, listen to me. God's grace will never run out. It doesn't matter how bad you've been or what you've done. God's grace will always be there. And so as we sing this next song, for those of you who have accepted, I want you to sing. And those of you who have not, whether you do it at your seat or come to the altar, do not leave here today still empty. Let's leave here today filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand your feet with us one more time.
celebrate that today through God sending His Son on our behalf because of His great love for us and Him embracing the cross and His resurrection. And I invite one last song together to celebrate that. Um, Gabe, Gabe's going to come up. Come on, Gabe. I know he wants to. Come on, Gabe. Woo! He was showing off yesterday, so I got to show him off today a little. Yeah, he's so excited. Hope you guys are ready. We're going to take it up just a little bit to finish off today. This song is called Happy Day. This is a celebration of that day. It's happy. Here we go. Come on. Day in history, death is beaten. You have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is alive. The empty cross, come on. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. Come on, He's alive.
Amen. Church, it is a happy day. Amen. Amen. He is risen. Our God is not dead. Hallelujah. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to leave here today. We're going to leave here excited. When you walk out that door, the people across the street, they better see nothing but smiles and happiness, all right? All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to leave here happy and excited. And if you made that commitment today to accept Jesus Christ in your life, I want to talk to you because we want to celebrate with you, all right? And that including those who are online, all right? God bless you guys. I love you, and I'll see you next week.